0: Hello, welcome to Soberish, the podcast that was supposed to be recorded with Brian the Abandoner tonight, but he went to get laid or something instead. So um, I hope it's terrible. Hope he comes really fast and then feels weird about it and then is stuck for the rest of the night thinking about how uh, he abandoned me with our freshly made plans. Anyway, welcome to Soberish. I came up with a funny thing earlier where uh, when guests come, and are on the show, I want to try to keep a straight face, and say, now let's get spiritual, but say it like 10 times during the, it's a, I haven't really fleshed the idea out yet, but some really corny line like that, like, all right, let's get spiritual. All right, it was way funnier earlier when I was thinking it to myself, now that I've said it, I don't like it as much. All right, there's a lot. This is an energy update. And there's a lot because I was supposed to do an energy update last week, but I didn't drop an episode the week before. So then I had to drop last week's episode. And then like that mercury retrograde, holy shit. For the first 10 days, I was like, oh, this is one of these ones. that's awesome. Right. Cause there's two different kinds. There's one kind where, I mean, electronics don't work no matter what, but there's one kind where, um, like gravity is heavier. It's like more difficult. I feel like I'm moving through mud. And then there are some of them where I'm just killing it. And this was for the first 10 days. Everything just felt very magical. I think it's that Scorpio energy. And then I hit a fucking wall. And um, yeah, I wasn't getting anything done. There wasn't much getting done. I was barely getting through readings. So this is kind of a very long... i like out of breath. I do this thing where I get out of breath on podcasts anyway. This will be fun for Brian's edit. He was like, oh, let me edit it. So fucking edit this, bitch. Anyway, welcome to the end of karma. We are rounding out the karmic reality. For those of you that don't know what I mean by that, the uh, age of Pisces, the old karmic reality was like yin yang, right? Wrong, good, bad, light, dark. And everything that we experienced was some sort of lesson. It was like, think of it like school like you're finishing college. And this last two years, like 2017 through, let's say September of this year was really a pressure cooker, May to September, especially. Uh, May to September was like finishing your finals. And I don't know if this is the end of the karmic reality for everybody. I think what it is, is karma's done. And this was said back in 2000. So maybe it's like, There's classes of it, and the wave that we're on is just done. But this is really the end of the karmic reality for a lot of us. And what's funny is that some people are choosing to stay in it, but it's really starting to take the form of like a skipping CD for the people who are choosing to stay in it. Even myself. In 2019, it was like wow, I could really see my loops. I could really see these patterns, these fucking things I keep experiencing over and over and over again. These scenarios I keep playing out. These traumas I keep attracting and reenacting. And so I think that that's really supposed to be the thing that wakes you up from the dream, right? Wakes you up from the karmic reality. And I can't remember what most of the shows are, but uh, I every time I logged onto the wasteland that is facebook which i really only go to for the um facebook soberish and mormon and the method groups uh every time i would log on and see the timeline there was some show from like the 90s or the early aughts that was being renewed or what do they call that they're like bringing it back with the same cast so many of them and so many movie remakes I feel like this is a um, allegory for the karmic reality, like the karmic reality has no new material, there are no new ideas in this idea of, you know, the fear based reality, there's nothing left, we've done it all, there's nothing, everything that the world has to offer is just we, we know already, we've done it already. And this is really the dawning, Of a new age and the karmic reality is boring. Anyway, due to the karmic reality ending and us getting ready to move into the new, I've been calling it point and click, which I feel like makes me sound very old, but this new just kind of what do you want? Go do it. What do you want? Go experience it. A a much more fun, easy, for the sake of experiencing reality. I think we've seen the worst of the personal trauma. I think we've cleared a lot of that. There is some programming that goes along with that to deal with. All right. So with the end of car, I just had to take a break there to play with my phone and like get my shit together. I was panting. I was actually panting. I had to, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I get, when I get on stage or get a microphone in my hand or a podcast start, I like lose my breath. If you've ever seen me do a show, um, the first like three minutes is just me trying to pace my material in a way that, Let's me figure out how to breathe. So I think I like hold my breath when I'm talking. Anyway, this is a lot of information that you didn't need. End of karma. End of this bullshit obligation based fear based reality. End end of the hamster wheels. So we're going to get in a little bit of the hamster wheels. Uh, some symptoms you might be having as you are rounding out your karmic reality is the shrinking jacket that we talked about before. If you're starting to be incapable of doing things that are out of resonance with you, that is a sign. I am not telling anybody to quit their jobs or leave their spouse or anything like that. You know what you need to do, but this does here come as a confirmation. If things are out of resonance with you, pay attention to that. Uh, When something is out of resonance, you just will hate it. It'll cause anxiety. It'll just feel a shrinking jacket. Really, you can't get better at uh, wording that. So that doesn't mean quit your job and then be like, Hey, Jessarie told me to quit my job and now I'm homeless. Uh, spend more time doing things that make your heart sing. If you have to work for eight hours a day, but there's something that you're passionate about, how many hours of your day is it taking up? Don't say, oh, I'm too tired. I mean, you can say whatever you want. But if you want to jump onto a timeline where your life is more about things that make your heart sing, let the universe know that you're interested in doing things that make your heart sing. And you do that by paying attention to it. So if you have a dream of starting your own business, spend the time that you're sitting on the couch watching TV, pause that TV, be on the internet, research the things that you're interested in. If you want to start your own business, be looking into like what does a permit cost? What would it cost me to get this business? What is the real estate like for me to get this storefront? Um let me build a website. You know you can build a website on uh, Squarespace for 20 bucks, you know, buy the domain, do things that tell the universe, this is the direction I'm trying to go because the flow is headed that way. If it makes your heart sing, it is the thing that you came here to do. It is at least the beginning thing that you came here to beginning do just start putting energy in that direction and give, give the universe something to work with. Here's some programming that you're going to run into probably when you do that. So Along with the karmic reality that is ending, we are also getting off of these motherfucking hamster wheels that this society was built on. I can't speak for societies that I'm not a part of because I'm not a part of them and I don't know. But speaking to people who are in uh, America or similar societies to America in 2019, we have been trained to be worker bees. If you look at the virtues of our society. They're all like, Oh, long suffering, sticking with things. You know, we, we glamorize people who stayed married for 50 years who didn't even like each other. You know, it's cool if you stay together for 50 years and loved each other at the end of 50 years. But like, I grew up on this propaganda that there's like some, Oh, they're good at commitment. Oh, this person joined a union when they were 18 and stuck this fucking job out their entire life and didn't leave their hometown. Also cool if you're into that. But there's this like, there's a lot of things that are seen as virtues in our society that are really like, imagine we were programmed to be cogs in a wheel. That's kind of where our virtues come from. I've talked to several people over the course of the last few weeks who kind of feel ashamed or seem to not uh, celebrate the way that their energy works because they start things and don't finish them. But that is an energy. That is a valuable energy. Uh, Being someone who's fantastic at starting things and then doesn't really know what to do with them once she has them I found out in the last couple of years that that's a superpower to some people. There are some people who are great at perfecting things, but they don't know how to get them off the ground. And I'm really good at starting things. I have zero fear of failure. I have no problem jumping off a cliff. I'm pretty good at being like, nah, something. I just throw things at the wall. And if they fucking stick, cool. If they don't stick, who gives a shit? And I don't ever stop. I'm 42 years old and I'm still just attempting to do things well after when society told me I wasn't going to be able to pull things off. And that's just my energy. But if you pay attention to me, I pivot quite a bit. I pivot quite a bit. If something doesn't like work or I get bored with it, I just get, I just get bored with it. I just throw it out. But that's not celebrated in this society, right? Because we are trained to be worker bees. So there are a lot of people out there who are bumping up against this programming and this fear of being irresponsible, Not doing the adult thing or the right thing or the responsible thing. Once again, I'm not telling you to quit your job. I am telling you to spend some time figuring out what makes you happy. What the fuck is the point of anything that is based in guilt and obligation? that's, That's the shit right there. Guilt and obligation are celebrated like virtues in this society. And I really don't think... Those are our virtues. Those seem like virtues that were programmed into us. So that's just something to play with and to think about a little bit. Another piece of programming that you might bump up against is the belief that things have to be more difficult than they are. This world really just is now for you to experience things. What do you want to experience? Go experience it. Now we have a little bit of a window where a learning curve, You know, it's going to be a couple years for the most part on average of us dipping our toe in and and trying things out and figuring it out, especially if you're still working through programs of poverty and stuff like this. But like you were probably raised to believe that things need to be difficult and that your art or your creative endeavors or what makes your heart sing is something separate than how you survive. And here is the greatest deception, is to convince the world that life is about survival, that the entire objective is about survival. I just went on this rant on Tim Dillon's podcast the other day, but like how brilliant to convince people that they are here to attempt to survive when it is like you literally could create anything that you want, but you've had a lifetime of just focusing all of your energy on surviving. I need some type of like singing coach to teach me just how to breathe during a podcast. Anyway, hamster wheels. There's so many fucking hamster wheels. And I've been ranting about this and I'll probably take it out. But like I've talked to people that are 25 years old that are working jobs that they hate because they need health insurance, which makes perfect sense if you have a chronic illness, right? So I was like, okay, what's your chronic illness? And they're like, I don't have one. And I'm like, well, then what the fuck are you doing? They're like, you have to have medical insurance. I'm like, you don't have to have, like, who told you that? Why? You're not sick. You could get sick. Okay, well, you could also die tomorrow having spent five years at a fucking job that you hate. You spend the majority of your life doing something that you hate that doesn't like raise any questions. It's programming. It's just like when they told everyone they had to go to college. So I'm not saying get rid of your health insurance and then get mad at me later if something happens. I am saying, I don't know, you could probably file bankruptcy if something happened. Also, most people that I know that got... Uh, bankrupted by medical debt, did have insurance, but that's enough of my Michael Moore rant. Hamster wheels. I think we've been living on hamster wheels. I think it's like the Matrix. Instead of slimy pods, though, it's just these fucking hamster wheels. And instead of machines, it's the parasites, right? The reptilians. Uh, I don't know how wild I want to get with this, but... Okay, let's just say there was a movie. And in the movie, there were literal gods. And they could create anything, And then you had parasites and the parasites couldn't do anything other than mind control and they couldn't create the reality, but they could use mind control. So they got the gods who have amnesia because they came here to experience a reality with amnesia. And then the parasites shaped their perception of what reality was and also shaped their perception of who they were through the use of societal programming and, a bunch of very limiting dichotomy-based, you know, stuff, where it then just, like, the gods believed, like, oh, this is reality, you guys have everything, we have nothing, and uh, the government is this, it's a universal truth, and that I am poor, and I will be sick, and I have to do this, and I have to go to college, okay. And then the gods, who are asleep, and the most powerful beings on the planet, are creating reality for the tapeworms, in poorly crafted skin suits and so this one percent of parasites are living this great life that is only being created by the gods that they have manipulated that'd be a crazy movie right somebody make my tv show then let's say something happens where the gods start to wake up and the gods start to wake up and then they decide like oh shit we got to wake the rest of the gods up and they just start waking up more gods but they can't do it directly right Uh, because everyone's been programmed, intentionally programmed a certain way. So then they use art and the art then creates reality because they're gods, right? They're creators, but the art also wakes up more gods and then they wake up more gods and then they wake up more gods. And as the gods wake up, they look at the parasites and the things that the parasites put on the news and the pretend whatever, the shit that used to make them afraid and used to get them triggered. Now they just go, oh, these are fucking parasites. And then the parasites die. I don't know. I feel like something happens in between there, but I haven't quite gotten it all yet. (sighs) Worker bees. Worker bees on hamster wheels. Our virtues are kind of bullshit. So really spend some time thinking about things that you feel guilty and obligated about and ask yourself why you're doing it. Are you afraid of looking like a bad person? What is a bad person? falling through the floor. So this is something else that I thought about because this is really what it's like. It's like if if a group of people had been told their entire life that you're going to fall through the floor, they would experience life completely different than you or I because at every minute they would just live in this constant anxiety of falling through the floor. And that's what this elite over there, us down here, society is. It's like everyone's been convinced that they could fall through the floor at any moment. They've been convinced that like you have to spend every waking second just trying not to fall through the floor. It's so fucked up. And I keep deleting stuff about this, but I'm going to leave it in this time. We have to create new systems. We have to create new ways. We have to create ways to break everybody else out of all of these hamster wheels. And you can't, Give a man a fish, because he'll just need you to give him fish forever. You can't teach a man to fish when they're trying to survive. Just not, you know. It's like I'm, I'm starving. (laughs) You can't give me a fishing lesson right now. We have to figure out a way to like, like break people out. Like we have to be able to give people money. You know, we have to be able to give people sponsorships. We got to find ways to balance the scales in the society. I'm not going to get too far into it, but there are, uh, I don't know. I think I'm going to start a Patreon soon. There are some comedians making like 50 grand and shit on their, on their Patreon. And I, I don't need that kind of money. That's nuts. But, um, I'm going to start a Patreon soon. And I don't know if it does what I think it's going to do. I'm just going to get, we're just going to start like here, here's your bills are paid for a year. And then here's how you hop timelines and, uh, just start breaking people out one by one, I guess. And then once they're out, they can help break more people out. We have to get people off of these, uh, fucking hamster wheels though. So, I have other stuff besides that but I'm not going to get into it yet. All right. Sorry I'm just like panting into this thing. Really it's it's honestly. I don't know how you guys listen to this shit. Oh, this is funny. I I let's get spiritual. We are approaching the end of the the duality consciousness with the end of karma, right? So the right, wrong, good, bad. We are still in it though and it I think it is going to go out with because see the parasites might be us I get that same thing with the narcissists yes the narcissists are going to heal I assume I assume everyone is going to heal yes everything is an extension of us but that doesn't mean we feed it you know so like I took a hard stance against vampires because it was time to separate from the vampires. No vampire is going to heal. So long as you're giving that, like they don't heal via you feeding them. So the people I'm talking to, you know, but there was, I was being someone's vampire, you know, and I fixed it, but, uh, the like straight up narcissist or whatever. I I read something very compelling actually the other day, uh, from somebody who'd been diagnosed with NPD, who'd like had done a lot of work to change. And I was like, Oh, I've made a ton of generalizations about that. So I would like it on the record that I'm taking that back. Also, everything that I say, uh, most likely I'm going to be seeing the nuance or seeing the, you know, the other side of that coin within a few months. So you probably shouldn't listen to any old episodes, but, um, I'm just gonna use the term vampire for now because I do think that throwing around mental illness you know mental health terms uh, is probably not helpful and I have definitely been guilty of saying things like if you were a narcissist you wouldn't worry about being a narcissist and then I read a tweet from someone the other day it was like a thread talking about you know the stigma there and I don't want to slander an entire group of people because I was victimized by one or, or you know p- people I care about were victimized by them but So I'm just going to say vampire, somebody who's taking your energy. And this can be someone who's, you know, innocuous or, uh, nefarious. Like what I, who knows what happens at the end? Have I considered that the actual parasites are just an extension of the game? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how I approach everything. Even when I seem like I have an enemy In the big picture, I really think that this is all just one big paintball war and that we're all family and it's fine. That's why I don't hold grudges very well. But we still have some duality left and we are, I think, maybe going to have a showdown with them for which I am here. Like I am excited about this part. I have been excited if it plays out via Civil War, if I get to levitate at some point, like I am into it and i'm definitely arsenal like i'm definitely here to tear down old systems this is my favorite thing when i was in christianity the bible talks about the last becoming the first and the first becoming the last and that was always so exciting to me it was always it was also confusing to me though because christians had this weird thing where they thought they were martyrs and i was like we kind of run everything this is the 90s but Now I get it and I am ready. I am ready for however that plays out. For a lot of us, it's already playing out in the astral plane. If you're having a lot of like dreams of kind of like battles, you know, there's some people have had dreams about we're all trying to escape somewhere. Some they have been like actual war. Some we've been breaking people out of stuff. I think that's happening. I think we are actually fighting the equivalent of, Armageddon in the astral plane. You know, there's a difference between those dreams and when your brain is just processing your day, you know? So I don't know how much of that we're going to experience in the physical reality. But if I do get the opportunity to uh, be a part of dragging the system down to the ground, I am going to be fucking super into it. And it is essentially a paintball war. And I would appreciate it if you didn't try to ruin my fun by pointing out You know, whatever the fuck, like they're part of it, you know, no shit, but they're going to lose first. And then once I have won the trophy, then they can, you know, assimilate. That brings me to my next point. Hey guys, I'm a stand up comedian. I'm just, I make fun of things. And I'm sure at some point I'm already so fucking like soft and corny compared to how I was a year ago that I'm probably going to completely lose the ability to make fun of anything other than myself. But I do just talk a lot of shit. And I do kind of like to talk of shit about the spiritual community because I think we need to laugh at the spiritual community. I think one of the best. Uh, spiritual public figures out there is J.P. Sears just because he, you know, he points out the very obvious funny things. And, you know, like I make fun of myself. Sometimes I hear myself talking. It's going to happen at some point later in this episode. I hear myself talking and I'm like, oh my God. I'll be halfway through a reading talking about 12-strand DNA and I'm just like, Jesus Christ, I'm nuts. I think it's funny. I think that if you can be in this shit all day, be having these experiences that we're having, these supernatural experiences, and no part of you recognizes that this is hilarious, then, you know, I don't know, maybe you're not grounded enough, but I am going to continue to make fun of, you know, the spiritual community as well as myself. I think I make fun of myself a lot. I don't know why Teal Swan feels like Max Hedrum to me. Okay, that's it. That's all I've said. I have said everything she says is on point. She has great information. I couldn't figure out what I didn't like about her. My issue with spiritual teachers is I feel like there is a tendency to create a dependency. You cannot be dependent on a spiritual teacher because they could take away the Internet. And then you have to be able to telepathically communicate with your tribe and the collective. And if you are only getting your validation or your spiritual information from me or teal Swan or fucking anyone else, then you're fucked. So you have to, this should only be a validation of things that you're already experiencing Or like some just as interesting shit that an old tweaker is saying. It's the reason that I'm known for drinking my piss is because I am not supposed to... I am not a fucking guru. I am not a leader. I'm like a big mouth that has a podcast, but like, do not be dependent on me. This is you, you. Everything you need is inside of you. And if I say stuff that doesn't resonate, leave it. Don't try to make it fit. Don't try to believe what I'm saying. It's just not for you. Just drop it. Everything I say... Isn't true. Isn't right. But I'm going to make fun of things. I'm going. It's like there's something about Teal Swan that makes her feel like Max Hedrum to me. It's probably that it's my own shadow and I don't like it. Or maybe I don't like that her skin is better than mine. I don't fucking know. It really doesn't matter. I'm not slandering her. I'm not saying don't listen to her. Uh, I did try to formulate an opinion on what I didn't like about her a Mormon and the meth head. That's before I was doing a spiritual podcast but uh, who knows? I've also said, I'm. I watch me meet her one day and think she's amazing. I just don't, I don't know. There's something about her videos. Maybe she, I don't, social anxiety. I have no idea. I don't know what it is. She does feel like uh, a, a, an AI robot. Has anyone seen her in person? Have they touched that skin? Wouldn't surprise me if it's made out of plastic. Anyway, uh, I get so defensive, just so you know. I'm so afraid of people thinking I'm mean or like judgmental. I also made fun of Gaia, and that came up in the Soberish group. Here's the thing. Gaia, I love it. Like, I bought it. I don't know why the production quality is so low. It, like, feels like an intentional... Like, it's so low. Like, I I have VHS videos of me doing karaoke in 92 that are better quality than the shit that Gaia puts out. Like, somebody please explain it to me because you could film this shit on a cell phone in 4K. I just don't understand how it's this bad. And I think when I made fun of Gaia... Gaia? is It's Gaia, right? Uh, When I made fun of it, I was comparing it to how unfair it is that Mormon cinema, which is pretty bad content is like beautifully shot and beautifully edited. So anyway, I'm going to make fun of things. And, um, you know, and then you're going to address it. And then I'm going to make it weird on the podcast for no reason. I thought a lot about why I don't resonate with other light workers, and why a lot of people that listen to this podcast don't resonate with other people in the spiritual community. And I don't know if that's because like what if the way a cell divides, right? Like it divides into two and then four and then eight and then 16. I think that's, I don't know. I didn't pay attention in school, but what if we come back together that way? Right. So we are like coming back together in small groups and then slightly bigger groups and slightly bigger groups. And so the field of resonance is small at first, you know, I feel like the love and like the people that I call the love and light, the fake awakes, I feel like they're not genuine, but I don't know what that means. I don't know if it's just my own reflection. You know, I feel like they don't let people feel their feelings. They don't let people have their experiences. They have to be imposing their version of awakening. But like fucking I do that. I'm awful about that. It's one of my worst character defects. And uh, part of it is because I'm, you know, like I need to prove my worth at all times. So if you put a problem in front of me, I feel like I need to solve it. Uh, another reason that and I'm getting a lot better. I'm getting to the point where when people want to vent or talk to me about their problems, I'm getting better at being like, Do you want a solution to this problem or are you just venting? And with the venting, there's something, this is a good boundary talk, actually. I've seen a couple memes recently about energy transference. And there is something that happens when certain people bring their problems to me that drains me. I feel like shit after we talk. And so I have a tendency to like, they're like people I care about, but I have a tendency to feel bad at the end of the, at the end of the conversation. So I want to solve their problems, but I'm kind of solving their problem to get out of the exchange that's happening. And there is uh, recently someone in my life. Cause I would never think that I do this, but I'm in this process of still pro- like, I don't know. I think I'm used to being around so many other people with trauma that I'm very open. Like, with trauma and I feel like it's almost kind of a an energy exchange thing I do with other people with trauma but I've been hanging out with someone who doesn't have much trauma I know weird I guess they exist and I've noticed that after I sometimes I like just blurt out things that have happened to me I watch it have like a a visceral effect on them and I'm like oh did I just energy transference, my bullshit onto this person? Did I just dump garbage into their lap that they now have to try to figure out? And uh, it has made me very... I've never seen that energy exchange before. And so I've been thinking a lot about that. Is that something that people with trauma do? Because people can tell me their trauma and it's like fine, but there's certain people that do it. Certain people that are just telling me about uh, frustrations in their day, but there's something about the way they do it that I just end up like like, okay, well now I feel like shit. I need to go to bed. So with those people, I tend to try to solve their problems because I I'm trying to not get waterboarded with the energy that's happening. So I don't have that completely figured out yet, but I saw uh, a meme about energy transference and I'm like, Oh, that's the thing that certain people do. Certain people in my life do that, uh, several people in my life do that, um, is like exhausting. It hurt. It almost hurts You know, I'm like, well, now I have this bag of shit, you know? So sometimes I try to solve people's problems for that. And sometimes I feel like if you mention a conflict in your life, I'm expected to fix it. And I've healed a lot of that. I've healed a lot of the tendency to, especially in intimate relationships, try to prove my worth. Like I'm having a ton of intimate relationships, but a tendency in close relationships to try to prove my worth by solving every problem. But when other people do it to me, it really bothers me. And I'm like, okay, well, does it, is that what I call like the love and light crew? Cause I feel like they don't let anyone feel their problems. And I don't think so. I don't think, uh, I am open to the idea that it is my own shadow, but I think if I think sometimes when I see it done or it's done to me and it just comes from a this belief that like you have to talk positive all the time, otherwise you're not spiritual, it's just so fucking dumb. We live in a duality reality that we're trying to escape. You don't escape it by pretending it doesn't exist. You escape it by turning the lead into gold. And part of that is just extreme hard work. It's hacking the matrix. And some of us are not supposed to do that. Some of us are like in the trenches, transmuting energy. Some of us are arsenal, right? We are just tearing down systems. And others of us are image setters. And those image setters, they're just here to create the new world. And they're like beautiful, light, and they don't really like to hear about... The heaviness of the arsenal and the arsenal, you know, maybe the people that I consider to be uh, toxically positive love and light people are, you know, they're just image setters. I don't know. I know a bunch of image setters and they don't feel that way to me. What love and light people feel to me is like bubbling rage underneath the surface that they're afraid to acknowledge because if they acknowledge it they think they're not actually spiritual. It feels like somebody who got a hold of a book, you know what I mean, or had like one spiritual vacation and they're trying to maintain that experience. But I don't know. Uh I do think it's funny to make fun of it and I do think we are all one and eventually uh, I'm going to not be able to make fun of everything because I'm going to be so fucking objective and empathetic and connected to everything. So uh, for the meantime, I don't know what it is. I don't know why we don't resonate. I think there's a possibility also. I don't know why I'm on this fucking kid. This is a conversation I've had with several people um, in readings recently. It's like, why do we still kind of feel that us versus them? Right. And uh, I think another thing is that we're coming from this, this strong, strong belief that we are all separate from each other. And that's not, you know, maybe there's no jump cut there. I know we've all had like an ecstasy uh, experience where the next day we're like, I am a part of everything. But then that slowly goes away and you go back to feeling isolated by yourself. So maybe we only like get out of us versus them by feeling like, oh, now it's our tribe versus that tribe. And now it's this versus that. And that's us versus the parasites. And eventually it's all just one thing. Who knows? I think it's fine. She does feel like a robot. It's fine. I have no idea how far into this podcast we actually are because I had to stop so many times to breathe and then I had to re-record things a couple of times because I sound really bitchy for no reason. I'm just upset that Brian is such a bad friend. Um, I keep trying to start that YouTube channel and it's just not working. I don't know. Like something, ha- I have a techno- technological difficulty or I don't feel like doing it. When I do feel like doing it, I, I have to go into a reading, whatever. And that kind of stuff, I pay attention to flow. You know, if it's when it, when it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be. That's the cool thing about the new world is it's not about guilt or obligation or forcing yourself to do anything. Mormon and the meth head was never once out late. Never one time. There were times where we were like, like driving, editing an episode. There were times where Aaron had to stay up all night to get an episode done. I had to stay up all night to get an episode done. Like, We never, ever, ever put that episode out late. Soberish, I just didn't do one last week because this is the new world. Like It just is what it is. It's going to hurt my numbers. It's going to hurt my uh, whatever. I really don't care about that. I am actually feel like I work pretty hard to keep people from finding out about this podcast. But uh, it just is what people are going to listen to it exactly when they're supposed to listen to it because I put it out exactly when I'm supposed to put it out. And the things that resonate are going to resonate and the things that aren't supposed to resonate are not going to resonate. And uh, I don't know, YouTube's doing a bunch of weird shit to other content creators. And then I started thinking about this idea for Patreon. And I'm like, if we could build this Patreon up, I already wanted like a Patreon where I did readings or something. So like for $5 a month, you get four readings. And the idea of like, group readings is that, you know, the reader usually picks up on energies of everyone that is watching, you know, or whoever needed a message in that group. And so uh, for people who, who can't afford a reading, you know what I mean? They're getting these general messages and then maybe we would do energy updates there and live videos or something. And then, uh, you know, if it turned into a big thing, then we could use that money to put back into the collective and that, I don't know. We'll see. I'll try to start that next month. And if it, if it gets off the ground and it's going smoother, then we'll see what's up, you know? I would like to do an entire episode of a podcast where I just talk about all the things I don't like about myself. You want to know, you want like a, a magnifying glass on things you don't like about yourself. Talk into a microphone for an hour by yourself in a room, knowing that thousands of people are going to listen to what you say. And you will be like, wow, I am an arrogant piece of shit. It's crazy. There's so many things I don't like when I have guests on, I interrupt them a lot. I hate that. And I see that criticism of a lot of like, I've guested on people's podcasts and then I've seen people critique the hosts, you know, that they interrupted a lot. It's hard not to, you get so excited. And then especially this podcast and the guests that I have on, it's like, if I get Lola here, I just want to talk her face off. You know, I have a million things I want to run by her. Like I, you know, we don't talk, on the phone or anything, we like text. And so by the time I see her, there's a thousand things I want to be like, well, what about this? What about this? You know, like I, I want to like tell her things. And next thing you know, I've railroaded her through an entire podcast episode. And then when it's just, I don't know, it's, I don't, uh, I don't like it. I don't think I'm a very good interviewer for sure. I'm not really trying to interview. I'm trying to have a, an, a conversation, but I have people on this podcast, Ramin fucking Ryan singer, I feel like I just have the same six people because I want to make them hang out with me. But, uh, I get so excited that I just talk way too much and then I'm by myself and I'm like, Oh no, I'm really talking way too much. There's 20 other things, but I'm not going to tell you get one. Every episode I'll do a special segment where I just tell you things I don't like about like one thing. So that's it right now. I don't like that. I'm a very bad interviewer. I'll try to get better. That's the cool thing is that we get to just decide that we don't like something about ourselves and then we just get to fix it, which brings me to the next topic, which is programming. I think what we saw in 2019 for the most part was healing of the core wound, right? And I think that that was connected to the end of the karmic reality. And then I can only speak for myself here. This isn't like a download or anything, but I think what is left is the programming that went along with the core wound or that was designed to protect the core wound. So I'll use myself as an example and my life experience that nobody asked about. And, uh, so my core wound was abandonment, right? So I had a raging abandonment wound that I didn't know where it came from, nor did I really know that I had an abandonment wound. I knew that I had a a very obvious fear of rejection And what I found as it got super triggered and I went into a full-blown codependent activation, which felt like actual active addiction. If you haven't listened to the episode, Oh, I'm codependent. I recommend that accounting of this experience. But, um... I found out I was codependent at the same time that I found out that about the abandonment wound, I found the abandonment wound. You kind of just have to touch it. Right. So I just had to go back and find that moment and kind of just like pick up little me and like let little me know that I was loved. And then it started to heal. And then the codependency, which had become this gigantic, like overpowering monster inside of me, just slowly shrank. And you know, there was only like really focused on one person at the time, and and we still had a podcast together. So then all of our interactions became an opportunity for me to make the right decision, to not take action, to to. And at first, it was like white knuckling, you know, because I I had this system in place to protect me, and and it would hurt him and. And I forced myself not to act on those things. And it got smaller and smaller and smaller. And until it was kind of a ghost, like we would be together recording podcasts and I would be like, I could feel all the places that I would have gotten triggered or I would have made it weird or whatever. And then I watched him have a reaction to like thinking that this was a point where I would get upset. And that's the, the ghost of Christmas past, I guess. But, so as the codependency subsided, and and by codependency, I equate that with like not wanting to be alone, but like codependency, I mean active addiction, love addiction. I do still have this anxious attachment system, right? And I feel like the anxious attachment system is the precursor for me. Once the anxious attachment system has been activated, uh, if that isn't handled, then I am at risk for going into a codependent meltdown, and so I try to come up with as good of a strategy as possible to prevent that from ever happening again. I can look back on this relationship and be like, okay, here's a million places where I should have believed what this person said when they said it. Uh, I should have prioritized my own needs. I should have, but back then I didn't even acknowledge that I had this problem. I was like, Oh my God, I'm so cool. I'm not clingy at all. I have no emotional needs. Aren't I the hippest? you'll learn to love me, you know? And then I, I set myself up for this disaster. So um, now I don't even get to a first date without letting someone know, like I have an anxious attachment style. Uh, I can't commit to like friends with benefits or whatever. Like if I get feelings and you don't have feelings, like I just have to go, you know, just too risky for me, whatever. Also, I am constantly looking for signs that I am unwanted. And if one of those things gets triggered, then it's, you know, it's out the window. And the thing that sucks for people who like me is that, uh, I tend to attract men who are attracted to like very independent women because I, when I'm by myself, I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, I have very little insecurity. That's like, you know, I have like, like, social anxiety and stuff but I'm pretty confident. I march to the beat of my own drummer. I love myself. You know, I'm I like completely different than once the anxious attachment system takes over. I go from uh I don't need anybody. I all my friends are aliens to uh oh my god, are you mad at me in 5 seconds. And then it's a completely different me. It's a completely different me that shows up. And that me tends to be off-putting to the people that I'm attracted to. I'm going to use men as an example here because this is not the dynamic that I experience with women. So my new strategy was I'm just going to say this out the gate. I'll just say this out of the gate because this used to be something I was so ashamed of that I didn't even know it about myself. So I'm not going to pretend to be cool. I'm just going to, uh, I'm just going to keep throwing this out there. And if someone wants to stick around after I've warned them about this, then we probably have better odds anyway. And so I started dating and, um, I did just have an incident where I got triggered and I got triggered by something so small, like so small, the attachment system picked up on just the slightest change in tone, which I think was probably just someone being high. And, um, it's interesting to experience it now as something separate than me. So I'm no longer like, like just lost in the, in amnesia. And then when I get triggered, I'm like, Oh, this is me being triggered. This is my attachment system. This isn't me, right? This is my attachment system. So I'm looking at it as programming. And so in the past, the attachment system would get triggered. I would experience that as longing or like love and I would then act out. I would do something to get their attention. I would protest behavior. If you haven't read the book Attached by Amir or something, I strongly recommend it. But Anxiously Attached people do things to get, they do something called protest behaviors or attachment strategies where they're trying to like bring the person back in. This like person I'm dating is like brand new. So I would just never talk to him again. But I didn't. I was just like, hey, is it weird? you know, this is, I'm, this is my attachment system shit. Is this weird? And then, uh, they answered and then I just believed their answer. But then I went into a full like 48 hour, I don't know if it's 48 hour, 36 hour, um, cycle. The, uh, attachment system activation cycle for me is like crying, uh, restlessness, can't sleep, eating too much, like in the bathtub, it's like a it's like um, in Mormon Meth head we talked about the snow globes where something triggers something in your your today life triggers this trauma from childhood and next thing you know you're re-experiencing this trauma from childhood but I didn't make it the person's problem at all like I was like oh this is has nothing like literally nothing to do with this person which is pretty easy to do when you barely know each other and um, I just like let the cycle run its course. And there was a point, there was a temptation to be like, Oh, I haven't made any progress. I haven't healed. This trauma is still here. And then the aliens were like, is it though? And, uh, I'm in the bathtub. I'm crying. And they were just like, is it though? And I thought about it and I like followed the pain back. And I don't know how to describe this. Let me know if you've felt this but there wasn't real pain there there was like a memory of pain or you know what it was it was in the past when this would get triggered when when something would set this alarm system off right i like would have the slightest amount of distance between me and uh and uh my last partner this alarm system would run down and find this like wound, this childhood wound, this extremely sore spot inside of me. And it would just push on it and push on it and push on it. And so what I would be experiencing in that moment over nothing would be this wound, this deep, deep, painful wound. Well, that's gone. Like that's healed. I do have some sadness left about the last partner, you know, and, uh, not a lot, But, like, I think it's in there somewhere. But other than that, everything's pretty much cleared out. And so I feel like this attachment system went through and it pushed on this for a little bit. And so then when I really followed it back after they said, Is it? I was like, Oh, this isn't the deep. Because it was so disproportionate a year ago. It was so, I was just lost for days in these deep things over like, being left on red. You know what I mean? It's like not that bad, but like someone being mad at me, just fucking dying. Right. And, uh, this was just a good purging cry. And, but when I really asked myself, like, what are you crying about? It's like, I guess maybe I'm kind of sad about this, but like, not really, you know, I'm not really sad. This is almost just like a cycle that has to run through once I have gotten triggered. And then I realized that like, I'm not doing any of the things that I did under the influence of those wounds. I do still have this attachment system. I believe that these attachment systems are programming and that the programming served a purpose for a really long time because that programming kept me safe for a long time. It made me push people away. It made me move away from people that weren't safe. You know, it made me, uh, like, pull people close who needed to pay attention and, and come close. You know, it mostly fucked my life up. I'm not going to... I think it was intended to protect me. It mostly fucked my shit up. But I don't need it anymore. It was connected to a wound that's no longer there. And so now it's just kind of running this cycle. And when I really stopped and observed the cycle, I was like, there's nothing here. There's nothing here anymore for this to run through. And I realized that this is probably... Going to be very similar than the full than the uh, full blown codependency where I'm just going to observe this thing until it's done, you know. I'm going to observe it and it's going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. So by I feel like that was so fucking long winded. By observing this programming as programming, right, really took me out of the moment that I was in, and kind of cool that I was having this experience triggered by someone that like I'm like you know. I don't have like a history with or something it's easier not to project. And just knowing, like I knew as soon as I got triggered for the first time, like this, what happened to the last relationship was like, I didn't, I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know. I I didn't even know what an attachment system was. I didn't know what any of this programming was. I didn't think I had any wounds, you know? And so, uh, I I guess I did know I had a fear of rejection, but anyway, the temptation there was to think like, I haven't, I haven't made any progress, you know, because I'm crying in a bathtub again. And as you guys know, uh, that's where I spent most of 2017 to September, but I made so much progress. I've healed so much. We've all healed so much. We've made so many huge growth changes. And, uh, this is now just a system. It's just a system that just runs a program. And, um, I just watched it. I was like, oh, this is a program. And then as I started to observe it as a program rather than as a reality, it just shrunk into nothing and I snapped out of it. And then this made me think about the power of observation. People ask me, like, how did you get out of codependency? Like, how did you get out of that from active, like full-blown, almost checked myself in somewhere, codependent activation to... um it being pretty much resolved. I'm like have that personality type, but it's not fucking with my life within a few months and watching it, watching it and not believing what it's presenting. So codependency wants to say this person's mocking you. And it's like, well, that's something that codependency would say. And then I just watch it. I know that it triggers certain feelings. It's the same thing I did with, um, social anxiety. So I do still run inside of myself when I am out in public, sometimes I have gotten a lot better at like engaging. There are certain personality types or energies or experiences that will trigger it a little bit more than, than not. I do have some off days, but social anxiety, is, as a, at its worst, feels like everyone's looking at me through a fisheye lens. That they all hate me. That they want me to leave. And it used to happen to me a lot on stage. And now I know that if I start to see the audience in a fisheye lens, I know that that is a social anxiety activation and that not to believe it. And I can actually pull myself out of that moment. When people are around me and I think that they are, um, that they don't like me or they want me to leave, I, I know what that frequency sounds like when it's when it's social anxiety and I can pull myself out of it. It was something that like Aaron had to deal with a lot where I would be like they did you they hated me and he was like that's you're imagining it. And so then I I got better and better at like it's almost like riding out a bad trip. And then I observed it as social anxiety. So while I'm socially anxious, I am paying attention to what my body feels like. I'm paying attention to what their energy feels like. I'm paying attention to what it looks like. And as I observe it, not as reality, not the reality that social anxiety is serving up, but rather as this is social anxiety doing its thing, I start to snap out of it. So kind of a similar thing with codependency and now with the anxious attachment style. So I thought a lot about what what we could do to overthrow the government. How is that for a segue? I think as we wake up and start to watch the parasites and observe them as parasites, observe them as what they are, they are parasites and parasites be parasitin. I think we change the course of reality by doing that. I think by watching these systems, stop asking these systems to be fair. They're designed to oppress. That's it. Observe them as something designed to oppress when the elites are putting out bullshit about their eliteness, observe it for what it is. This is a bunch of fucking tapeworms putting out propaganda so that we'll create their reality for them. My suspicion is that more people that look at the parasite systems as parasite systems, it might red pill the entire reality Into realizing that they are living in a false reality created for them by parasites. Whew, I am fucking uh, tired. Oh, this is funny. This is gonna get so fucking weird. The new website, somebody amazing is making it. So thank you for everyone else who offered. Uh, they sent me a bunch of questions that I haven't answered yet. I am doing so poorly at functioning in the 3d. It's not even funny, but I'm going to get all of this stuff to them. So here's the idea for the website. Ideally it's going to have multiple tab. Maybe they'll just listen to this episode and know the answers. Multiple tabs, I think the most important thing is to have a place for healers and uh, especially licensed therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists who are awake, who are able to offer. And this is, you have to check with a lawyer or something across state lines, um, their services. In theory, I think, I don't know, I hope I don't get sued, but I think that if you just put in your credits that you're a licensed therapist and you're offering life coaching, that's probably fine. I don't know. Anyway, I think that people need access to mental health services from people who are awake, but also healers, artists, whatever the thing is that you're bringing to the table, musicians, uh, people who do web design, everybody, whatever. And we're going to break them up into categories so that you can go there and you can find the thing that you're looking for other readers, you know, whatever and then get it all up on the website. And then I don't know yet, I'm not committing to anything for sure, but I would like to maybe um I hate the idea of ads on my podcast, but maybe people who I have connected with and I resonate with whatever, I would like to then um maybe make an ad or whatever once a week at the end of the podcast to kind of talk about whatever. One other thing, I know I had Lacy on last week on the podcast. I would like to invite people on the podcast when I feel like having people on the podcast. It, um, makes me feel very awkward if people ask me if they can be on the podcast, cause I'm kind of just going by the vibe and I don't want to have to tell anybody no. So I super, uh, appreciate all of the offers. I just, um, I-, I would like to ask people to be on the podcast when I would like someone to be on the podcast. So uh, it's hard for me to uh, say no. So if I could just do the inviting, that would be perfect. So a lot of people that I have, that I've done readings for, I've just been like, you know, if we're ever in the same state, whatever, I'd like to have you on the podcast. Cause I just was like, okay, this is something that, other people need to hear about, you know, or like certain modalities that I want to make sure that other people get to hear about. I don't like to do over the phone podcasts, so it would kind of involve us being in the same state. And, uh, it just kind of is up to me and what I think, uh, there are a lot of like spiritual teachers and stuff from all over the country that I've already reached out to that I've come across on Twitter or whatever. And so I just would like to curate, uh, my own podcast. And it makes me feel like I'm on a power trip to even have to say that. So if you could just, uh, let me do the asking, that would be cool. And that's absolutely no offense to anyone that's already asked. Anyway. Uh, I hope you guys like those us man. Cause I don't take them out now. Cause you've all said that you like them. All right. These last few things are funny. Number one, we're all getting a lot of superpowers. We're getting so many superpowers and they're coming in very fast and they, a lot of them probably don't feel like superpowers. Uh, we don't know what we're doing with half of this shit. Half of us are like blipping on and off of timelines that we can't control. Our dreams are crazy. We're picking up on shit. Just ride the wave. I don't have a ton of great um advice for that one of those superpowers is as you become higher dimensional you're going to see other dimensional beings and i know that that's hard to hear after the ryan singer episode but a lot of people are like i'm seeing things all over the place yes you are because they are ether beings and you are now able to see the ether you're probably starting to see grid work and lights moving around and um who did i talk to the other day that could see through their eyelids or whatever um it's just wild. It's wild in higher dimensional reality. And just remember that nothing that doesn't have a body can be like, you're, you're actually in the best power position An awake person in a physical body is the most powerful being in this plane. So congratulations. And then the last thing is what kind of alien are you? This is wild shit. If you're still here, I don't know why, but here we go. There seems to be a, um, bunch of downloads coming in for people where you're going to kind of remember, or you are maybe already remembering who you are or what you've been in past lives. Most of you are some type of higher dimensional being that either isn't from here, like, you know, just came here for this life or like maybe powered through a few different other lives to get here. I don't know. Apparently all the lives are happening at once, but most of you are some type of something called a star seed for lack of a better word. Just, I'm only saying star seed so that you can go look it up, but it's kind of, you were planted onto the planet. Most of you are some type of really cool thing from another galaxy or whatever the fuck civilization, alien civilization. So I don't know why it's helpful. Maybe as a confirmation to you for what's happening. So I, I had to wait for her to give me permission to, and I don't remember anybody. Like I do a reading and then I immediately forget everything Or I remember tiny details, but I don't remember who. But one of my favorite examples of people that I consider like the tribe, right, are people who are waking up and realizing that there's some type of intergalactic entity here to usher in the New Age and they hate it. It's like my favorite. I think it would be the funniest movie. It's just about a bunch of gods waking up and they're pissed off that they're here. So someone called me for a reading. I can't remember what she did for a living, but it was normal. It was like an accountant or something. And I might be mixing that up with the person who talks to dragons. But no, no, I know what she does. Anyway, she was like, I am uh, um, like a ancient woods witch. And uh, she like tried to gloss over it. And I'm like, can you uh, what? She's like an ancient woods witch. And then the, the process of her realizing that she was an ancient woods witch was dreaming Or, no, no, not dreaming. It was like she had an idea for a book and, like, she had to get this, like, book or screenplay out of her. I'm butchering this, I'm sure. There's a million stories inside me. But uh, so she had to get this out. And as she got it out, it, like, ended, like, at the point that she realizes what she is. And then she was like, what the fuck? And then she ends up realizing that it's her, right? And that she's connected to this. And, but she hates, like, she doesn't, she hates having to say it. And then she kind of has the same attitude that I think is funny that is, like, Oh, fuck, I guess I have to buy crystals now. You know, I love this like Natalie Gray, just reluctant, uh, how did Noah Lampert say it? I love it. No, uh, Reluctant mystic, just this God damn it! But my favorite part of the conversation was towards the end when I was like, what was it again? You're a woods witch. And she was like, they get really mad when I don't say ancient and or they make me say ancient, which I just think is hilarious. But a lot of us are having this experience right now. And a lot of us are realizing what What's that civilization I'm looking for? But like, okay. So 20 years ago, I was told by the aliens that I am a Syrian reptilian hybrid. This is it, folks. This is just a schizophrenic breakdown. You're welcome. I was a Syrian reptilian hybrid. And the reptilians are the parasites, I think, that run the planet. Some people think there's an the Anunnaki. I don't know. I'm not gonna get that far into it. But the uh and I just knew that. And I, the Syrians, I thought, were the blues or something. I don't know. I never really looked into it or there wasn't any way to look into it. And then recently it started coming up a lot. And I know why I'm part reptilian is because I am uh, supposed to be logged into their servers. That's why I can tell what they're doing and all their bullshit. If you are RH negative blood type, you're probably part reptilian. Other than that, I can't tell you. I mean, I don't know. It's been coming up in people's readings. But... If you are really resonating with certain groups, if you're seeing beings in your dreams, uh, Google what those aliens look like and you'll find some weirdo website that's going to describe the different alien races and it's going to tell you a little bit about what those alien races are on, on the planet to do, which should just serve as a confirmation of what you are maybe waffling about someone the other day I was talking to and they got this card, Divine Animals, and I never know what the fuck it means. And then there was a cat on one of the other cards. And uh, I was like, is there a cat alien race? And I Googled it and then the description, the feline alien species was like her to a T. And uh, she said. And so um, this just is like a confirmation that like what you're here to do. So I did look up what the Syrian aliens are here for and there's actually like reptilian syrians as well but uh they come from like a 60 which is like my main focus right is the collaboration the coordination of the the new society seems to be mostly what i'm focused on and yeah there's lots of pages here um galactic family gallery on hybrid children community Anyway, the Syrians are Pleiadians. I think I'm pronouncing that wrong. Our fourth density cousins that look like humans from the Pleiades star system. Sirius has six dimensional non-physical beings and four dimensional physical salamander type beings. The six dimensional beings are a triad with something and earth to assist us as guides. The picture of, there's like some depictions of the Syrians and they look, they look like the the short aliens that show up physically, six dimensional Syrians, uh, a drawing by Bridget Nielsen looks exactly how they look. Oh, great. Now I'm going to end up seeing one. There's lots of other different kinds of beings. Hybrid children, is the page that I'm currently looking at, but you can just Google it. But if you like, there are certain people who see aliens that are like, tall with like blonde hair. I think those are called Nordics or something. Anyway, this might be something fun or it might be something that's already happening to you. You might be having dreams of other civilizations that you've been a part of. Many of us came here and did similar work for Atlantis or whatever those other fucking, uh, things were anyway. So that's something fun to get into. If you feel like getting into it, you know, and you feel like maybe it's been five minutes since you did something that was utterly batshit uh get into that let me know what you are what you uh what you get from it oh, i was going to talk about the eggs there are some people that are like have this energy where um we're going to get very rapid at like healing and awakening people but i don't feel like getting into it right now also i don't there's something that happens between christmas and february some people are calling it like the solar flash or something i don't fucking know like on the trajectory it's almost like You know, I can see like trajectories and the energy is so wild between Christmas and mid-February that I'm really interested to see what happens. But some people say it's going to be such a mass awakening that it's almost a jump cut. And that's part of the reason that we are like frantically getting out of guilt and obligation because we have to be braced for it. And that does kind of resonate. So anyway, this is going to take five hours to edit. Uh, if you want a reading, jessareed.com. I do currently have some dates blocked off because I don't know what's happening with my Christmas break yet. So keep checking back. If you're looking to book something after the 16th of December, you can find me doing comedy on the East Coast. I don't think I have anything coming up before then, but the East Coast, I'll be in New York, Queens, New York on the 19th. And then I've got some stuff in Philly. I'm back in Frederick, Maryland on the 20th fuck I don't know after Christmas the Sunday after Christmas I'm in Philly the Friday and Saturday after Christmas I'll get those up on my calendar soon uh I am doing a 45 minute set in LA on January 28th if you live in LA this is the set where I run my special before the final filming of the special that I think is in April So if you could come out and watch that and let me know that it was fantastic or terrible, that is on January 28th at a place called The Dojo. It's above the Sycamore Tavern, I think. So it would be amazing if you came out to that. I'll get that up on my calendar as well. Jess Reed Comedy on Twitter and Instagram. Soberish Pod on Literally no reason to follow me on Twitter for that. But on Instagram, we do put some stuff up every once in a while, mostly just you know, stories about how Brian's a terrible friend. Thank you for all the nice feedback on the Lacey episode. I agree. She was amazing. Um, and I think that that is it. I will keep you guys posted on the Patreon. And if I end up doing something on YouTube as well, um, thank you so much. Let's get spiritual.